We are in a series called In God We Trust. And that phrase is written on our money. And it's there to remind us who we are to put our trust in. And one of the original memos over putting that there or not said, no nation can be strong except in his strength. And over the past year or so, we've watched the value of that thing it's printed on decline and kind of seen the ripple effect with jobs and human services and educators and retirement um, and watched all that kind of be affected by the value of the dollar but yet in God we trust is, is put there. And so is the situation so bad that it's hopeless? I mean, is it so bad that the good news of Jesus Christ can't even come up against it? That's something we wanted to look at in the series called In God We Trust. There are three questions we set out over the next few weeks to answer, and that is, how do we get here? How do we get out and how do we stay out? Last week, Donnie came and we kind of examined how, how did we get here? Kind of looked at even way beyond a year, just kind of what is it we've been doing? And looked at, you know, we're a nation that's worrying a lot. We've been consumed with discontentment, you know, and we may not have done this consciously, but we've been about getting things. And once we get things, we need to get more things. And then we're worried about losing those things. Um, and so we've been caught up in this cycle, and, and though we thought we were going down the right path, um, in the end, we found out, when, when you walked out of here last week, we walked out saying, I've been trusting more in the provision than I have the provider. And that affects us, because where we anchor our trust determines our hope. Where we actually put our trust, all of our trust, that plays a part in our hope. Horatio Spafford, who wrote those words, it is well with my soul. That's a heavy video to start with, and I promise I am not going to leave you there. And the point wasn't to say, come on now, this, you know, your situation is so relative compared to what he's gone through. Now, perspective sometimes is something that can help us move forward, but that wasn't my point with the video. It really was to get us to look at, ultimately, his trust was in something far greater um, that allowed him then to get through. No matter, you know, he said, whether um, anxiety or peace or sorrow, it is well with my soul. He was able to get through it. God got him through it. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I was tasked with that question, how do we get out of here? And when I looked at my own life and, you know, the crises that I've been through, and then you read scripture, you realize that God doesn't take you out of a situation and get you out of it and put you over here. Sometimes he does, but most of the time, what he does is he helps you get through it. And so I want to reframe the question for us today, and that is, you know, how can we get through this? But we all have a decision to make because last week we realized I'm trusting more in the provision than God the provider. And this week it's, we got to start and kind of um, right up front say, I got to make a decision to trust God. I need to make that decision. And decisions can be scary because decisions you have to sometimes yield control. Don't like that. You know, sometimes you're wondering about, well, what if I make the wrong decision? 
you know, then it plays out this way, then it plays out that way. Do you think God can't handle when we make a poor decision? But decisions can be scary. But what happens is, is if our trust is misplaced, then it can lead to a, a discouragement. It's a reality we will all get discouraged. No doubt. Life will do that. But what can happen when our trust is anchored in the wrong spot? We can get into a place of discouragement where we end up standing there far too long. God can use discouragement, but he'll use it to turn you toward him. He does not want you in a spot where you're just going to stay paralyzed. Donnie last week used the passage from Luke 12 on worry. If you haven't written that down in the back of your Bible, write Luke 12, write Matthew 6 down. Great passage on worry. Put some truths before you to help you dispel the, the worry and the fear. But Jesus said, who of you by worrying can add an hour to your life? Some translations have it as add an hour. Its, it's original term was used for distance or measurement or time. I like the idea. Play along with the metaphor. Here it's, it's, it's time. But play along with distance. Who of you can add a cubit or who of you can add a step in your life by worrying? And if you're honest with yourself, like, and I'm honest with myself, I know when I am worrying, I don't really move anywhere. I actually stay paralyzed in fear or worry, or I start to retreat. <laughs> I don't make the move that God wants me to do, and that is to move toward him. This morning, I want to look at the Israelites again. Donnie started looking at them last week for the lesson. I want to continue to look at them because we can learn something from them. They found themselves on a walk for life. And where we're going to look at today, Joshua 1, um, their leader, is Joshua, is discouraged. And he's dealing with fear and being terrified. And there's some lessons that we can learn from that because they did get through it. And I want to look at that today as we start to look at how can we get through what's going on, be it the economic conditions and how that has impacted you personally, or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's something to do with an addiction. Whatever it is, God can get you through it, and there's some lessons that we can learn in the Old Testament and the New Testament today. So the ushers are going to come down with Bibles. If you do not have one, they have a Bible for you. It is yours to keep. It's a gift from us. Uh, there are truths in there that you have to put before yourself every day in order to get through a normal day. Um, and uh, so that Bible is yours to keep. Let me kind of set what's going on. We're going to be in Joshua 1 today. That's page 150, 149. We'll be in 1 and 3 today. Um, the Israelite nation is in a place where they never stood before. They were standing at the Jordan River getting ready to go across to take the promised land. And Joshua is the one leading them. Only two people that were there and all of those people, only two had been to this very spot before. That's Joshua and Caleb. Joshua was the right-hand man for Moses. Joshua was in Egypt. He was part of the Exodus. He did cross the Red Sea. He was at Mount Sinai. He was in the desert. He saw the miracles. He saw the grumbling. And he found himself at the spot that he had been before. You see, he had been there with the Israelite nation prior. They had come up to this very spot, and they sent out 12 spies to go look at that promised land. And uh, 10 of them came back and said, oh, 
there's no way we can go over there. Like the Bible says, we're like grasshoppers. We're going to get annihilated. Only two came back and said, it's like God said. That land is beautiful. We can do it. And that was Joshua and Caleb. They said they could do it. But because of the distrust and the lack of faith in what God had said, that nation was sent back into the desert. They wandered. They died off. And what we have before you is a new nation that heard the stories but they had never been here before. Just Joshua and Moses, uh, Joshua and Caleb had been there. And that's where we are today. And I said, we want to look at them because the leader, Joshua, was facing discouragement and fear. When you read Joshua 1, that's all about God speaking to Joshua. And you've heard the phrase, be strong and courageous. In Joshua, that's said five times. Four of them are in chapter 1 when God is speaking to Joshua. Three times God says it. One time the Israelite nation says it back to Joshua. Joshua. So there is, um, Joshua is dealing with some real discouragement and fear. The reason being, you can kind of get clues from text, is the river is at flood stage. So here he is, he's got a whole nation that he's got to bring across. And he knows God is going to take care of him, just like you and I know, all right, God's going to take care of us. But inside he's wondering, is he going to do what he said he's going to do? Is is he going to get us across there? Even more, once he gets across, there are spies and enemies that are uh, over in the land that really don't like the Israelites, and all they want to do is get rid of them. So he was dealing with fear, You know, God was telling him, don't be fearful, don't be terrified, be strong and courageous. He's telling him to trust him. And maybe many of you find yourself in a spot that you've never been in before. And, you know, I'm standing here saying God is calling us to trust him and and he will get us through this. One of the things about Joshua 1, and you need to know this because some of you in these seats are going to be a Joshua to somebody. Joshua was leading those Israelites into the promised land. And you may be a Joshua to somebody to get through the crisis that they're in, be it whatever it is. You may be the one. And what I like is that Joshua was like me. He, He gets fearful. He gets discouraged. And so as a leader, you may feel that. But don't take that as failure. Listen to God when he's saying, be strong and courageous. You know, follow me. So some of you may be the one leading others, but you got to trust. you got to trust God. Trust is a difficult thing. Two years ago, I went with lead pastor Donnie out to Lake Gaston. And we spent the, lake, uh, spent the day out in the lake uh, riding in a boat and doing some wakeboarding and stuff. And then as we were coming back in, if you don't know, Donnie loves to ride motorcycles. He's ridden them since he was a kid. So he came in and we saw this motorcycle, I call it a motorcycle on water. It's a jet ski. So Donnie saw that. He said, oh, before we leave, can we go out on this thing? So Donnie went out and somebody else went with him and that looked like fun. So I let them ride around and I thought I trusted Donnie. So when he came back in, I said, can I go for a ride? So we get on that thing, and it is one of those new ones, and I am not kidding. This thing can probably go about 60 miles an hour on the water. I know we were going about 45 to 50 miles an hour, and we were going across Lake Gaston. Everything was fine. He does a little turn in the lake, and we go back down towards this other kind of cul-de-sac in the water. 
I had no idea what he was about to do. He was going about 45, 50 miles an hour, and he decides to throw a, a left-hand turn. As fast, and you know, I'm sitting there going like that, and all of a sudden I go flying off <laughs> that jet ski about 10 or 15 yards, and seriously, I was going down, I was going in the water thinking, is Kim going to be okay? Are their kids okay? <laughs> I really thought it was over. But I came back up, and I had little boots on that day, and my little boots came floating by my face as I came up. We were going so fast when I got thrown off, my trunks came floating by my face. And then I look over at your leader, and he's holding on to the jet ski, just laughing. So for me, I had a hard time trusting him after that. He's regained his trust, but um, trust is one of those things. Um, And in all seriousness, um, what I want to share this morning and put before us through the lessons in Joshua and the the same theological principles in the New Testament is that you can trust God to get you through this. Many times in my life when I'm going through something, and you know this as well, we can get those blinders on and only see the situation that is before us. You know, the swirling of life's winds and all that. And we wonder how are we ever going to get out? We don't see all the options. But the Israelites heard the stories. They also heard Joshua and saw and knew that they could trust. And they got through. And what I can say is, you know, when I go through something, one of the things he's taught me is look at him dead in the eyes. You know, my dad used to take my chin and when he said, now listen to me, Robert, and he held me. And that's kind of what, in the storms of life, he is saying, look squarely at me, look at my character, look at who I am, and that will get you through. And I can say that when I look at the characteristics of God, I get through. He gives me the strength to really trust him. And that's, I want to look at some of those things today so that when you're deciding, can I trust him? I want to give you some things, some reasons why you can trust him. The first one is, is that I can trust God because his character is unchanging. You know, I don't have to go through all the stories of change for you between jobs and all this stuff. You understand change right now and you're tired of it. You, you're just hoping for a place of stability, you know, so things don't change anymore. But the God we serve is unchanging. The fact that they, the Israelite nation was there at the Jordan was a testament to the fact that God is unchanging in his faithfulness, in his uh, redemption of his people. Because they certainly, they grumbled enough, they were disobedient that they could have been, you know, destroyed. But he was there, he held to his promise And later on, when they got into the promised land and they started living for themselves once again, God used the prophet Malachi to go in there and say, listen, I, the Lord, do not change, he told them. He said, if it were so, then you would be destroyed. He was reminding them that I'm a redemptive God. I love you. I told you that I'm a promise keeper. And he keeps that same message is played out through scripture. Even in Hebrews, in Hebrews 13, the writer was writing to the Hebrew Christians who there was some false teachings going on and you can read there they were being tossed to and fro from the, or carried this way or that from the different teachings. 
And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and in the future. You serve an unchanging God. And I don't know about you, but I need to know that because so much of the stuff changes around me. Another reason why you can trust him is he keeps his promises. Right there in Joshua 1, verse 3, he says, I will give you every place where you step foot, just as as I had promised Moses. He was fulfilling those promises. He got him to the promised land, and then ultimately, you think about it, he, God said, I'm going to give you a forever king. I'm going to send a king who will save the world. What did he do? He sent, ultimately, he sent Christ to restore that relationship for us. Our God holds to his promises. And so like last week, when you were looking at Luke 12, that passage in worry, and when you read these words, it says, for the pagan world runs after all such things, which is food, clothing, think basic needs. When the world runs after all of those things, your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you. Your God fulfills his promises, and he knows better than you do what you need, and you've got to trust him on that. Another reason why you can trust him is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. In verse 5, he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will read those same words in Hebrews 13. So the writer was once again reminding them that he is right there. And as a Christ follower, you need to know that you have the spirit of God dwelling in you. The power of God, the one who, the the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is within you. You are not going at this alone. And that is a a promise that helps me when I think I'm going to collapse, helps me take one more step. I like Psalm 37, verse 23, and I like to personalize it. If the Lord delights in my ways, he'll make my steps firm. Though I stumble, I will not fall, for the Lord upholds me with his hand. See, we look at stumbling sometimes as a failure, right? Now, the stumbling, or think about it, when you're about to fall, what do you do? You go and grab somebody. When we are stumbling in life or we're feeling life's pressures, those are the times that we are willing and, and able to uh, just reach out for him. So the stumblings aren't failures. Those are times where he is going to grow you in your relationship with him. I like Dave Ramsey in his Town Hall of Hope, if you, anybody saw that uh, about two weeks back. I don't remember the exact phrase, but he said, listen, your successes are, lie on top of a bunch of failures. Don't discount those right there. God uses all of those different uh, times in your life to help you be successful and prosperous in, in, your, in his eyes. And so he promises to help you up and move you along. And I've seen that in my own life. Another thing we can learn from Joshua is he has plans for you. You know, the Israelites knew they were going to get a cross. They didn't know all the details, though. But you see, God was working with Joshua, giving him the details of how he was going to get them across. And then once again, when they get into the promised land and they find themselves in a spot where they were living for themselves again, God used the prophet Jeremiah to remind them that, hey, I have plans for you. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. 
to give you a hope in a future. He does have plans for you. You may not feel that right now, but you've got to understand he's unchanging in his faithfulness. But as you go from Joshua 1, when you look at Joshua 1, I love you go into 3, and he says um, to the Israelite nation, get ready, move out from your position, and follow me. This is where we put our faith in action. You see, their position, again, they were standing in front of this flood stage river. They got to go across, and they got a bunch of enemies sitting before them. And maybe you feel... <laughs> Like you got that same thing in front of you now. But he calls, hey, trust me. Get out from your position and follow me. Look, uh, I want to look at Joshua 3, verse 3. And this is the officer. So Joshua talked to the officers. Now the officers are talking to the Israelite nation. And they say this. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. The Ark of the Covenant was a portable sanctuary. It was the power in the presence of God right there. And he says, when you see that in the priest who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And I, I underline that because I've been in spots before and I know you have. Maybe you're in one now where you're going, I've never been here before and I don't know what to do. And he's saying, I'm going out before you. Watch for that. Move out from your position and follow me. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. You can trust God because he can still do amazing things. You know, when I'm in a difficult situation, I want to know that things can change. I want to know that things can be different. And I don't think I'm abnormal. I think you, pro you guys probably think the same way. Can we get out of this? But you see, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's all about change. When you look at God's word, this unchanging God is all about changing and helping people move closer to him and restoring the relationship. I mean, look at Christ. He was about a broken relationship restored. He's about doing that in your marriage, broken relationships to restored. About addiction, being able to break the slavery to an addiction and giving you freedom about bringing peace where there is currently anxiety. Our God is about change. He can give us change. Last week, Donnie, I think he used the passage, the rich ruler. Rich ruler says, how can I get eternal life? You know, and I've been doing this, this, and this. And Jesus says, well, sell everything you got. Give to the poor. He you know, hangs his head. Who then can be saved? And Jesus says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. You serve a God that can change things. And for me, that's refreshing. I need to know that. There's one word there that I don't want to gloss over. Get ready, move out from your position to follow him. He also uses the word consecrate yourselves. You might be like, wait a minute. What's that all about? My eyes always tend to go to the, he's going to do amazing things in your life, Rob. I go to that. But the consecrate, for them, that meant something. There was a ritual that was part of that. There was um, a cleansing that they had to do, a body washing kind of thing, and, and just um, some things that they had to refrain from for the reason that God is holy. And so they were preparing themselves to be in the presence of and to follow this holy God. And so how does that map for us? 
Sometimes when we're asking for help me get through this, sometimes one of the first things he's saying is consecrate yourself. Look inside yourself. There may be a few things he wants to do first that's going to usually, I never see this. When I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, oh, why isn't this happening? But a lot of times he's making me deal with something else only to make me stronger so that I can move forward where he wants me to, to go so that he can do amazing things. And then he gets set up to do the amazing thing in uh, verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Another, thing, another reason why you can trust God is he's working even when you don't see it. Right here, we have, you know, the Israelites knew that they were going to get across, like I said, but they didn't hear all the details. They didn't see that, but God was working. And then we read this scripture here, and it said, at a great distance away, God was working to, you know, stop the flow of water. They didn't see it, but he was working. So in your own lives, you know, right now you say, I don't see him. You got to know that he's working right now to make those plans that he has for you. He's going to continue those. Another one of my favorite verses is Philippians 1. When Paul is talking to the um, Philippians, they had just uh, recent converts to Christ, and he's excited to be partners with them in the good news. And he says, you can be confident confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. That's hopeful for me, knowing that God is working right now to do what he set out to do. Philippians 1.6, God is working in you right now because he's not finished with what he's doing. David Paulson, in one of his articles uh, recently about the downturn in the economy and trusting God, he says this, If life is like the entire magnetic spectrum, from infrared to ultraviolet, with every wavelength in between, Why do we obsess and fret as if all of life were simply the green band, the money band of the entire spectrum? Money is part of life, sure, but wake up. The sun is shining across the whole spectrum. You can trust God because he goes ahead of you. Even when you don't see it, he is working. And last week, this is something we're doing in this series every week to remind us, even when it's difficult to see, that we encourage and challenge each other to lean on the promises of God. Habakkuk, in a time like this, a prophet, uh, in his prayer was also challenging. God used him to challenge the people to see him when it's hard to see him. The verse is going to come up on the screen. You read it last week, and I want to all read it together today. This is Habakkuk 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, if you read with me, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. I don't know your situation this morning. 
And maybe you're having a tough time seeing what he's doing. And I hope that this morning there are some things said that you can start to trust him. I hope you walk away today either challenged or knowing that you can trust God and that he will get you through this because he's not finished with what he started. And that through those promises, it's possible to sing those words and pen those words, it is well with my soul.